gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. This is our first episode of the Hall of Justice for 2022, and we welcome you. We thank you for all the people who have uh, subscribed to the show. The ratings continue to maintain. The listenership continues to be up, and we're looking forward to a big year. Uh, we ended last year with a major Marvel push. We were talking Spider-Man No Way Home and Hawkeye, and now we're flipping the switch. As we hit the new year, it's right back to DC. And there is this show on the CW that we have talked about on the podcast before. Uh, it's called Superman and Lois. And, you know, we've been very, very intent on focusing on these CW shows. Most of these shows have run during the duration of this podcast, and we've been very honest when when they've been great. We've been saying it when they've not been great. We've said that, too. And we're not uh, paid by Warner Brothers. Nobody's nobody's telling us to put these guys on. Uh, but Superman and Lois is a unique show. It is a really, really compelling show. And in this day and age where there is so much superhero content, uh, this is a show that I recommend to a lot of people. And I understand it's gotten a new fan base when it hit HBO Max over the summer uh, after its season one run, uh, people watched it all over again. They watched it differently. You know, linear television and streaming services are constantly now uh, coinciding with each other. And these next two weeks are going to focus on this show, Superman and Lois, with the season two premiere coming up Tuesday, January 11th on The CW. It'll also be on the CW app the next day. I see it on Hulu. That's how I consume this show. And these next two weeks, we are going to focus the Hall of Justice podcast on this show. Uh, in this show, there's Lana Lang. And it's not the same Lana Lang that you remember from Smallville. She's all grown up and married. And she's married to a guy who's joining us today. Uh, he plays Kyle Cushing. I hope I'm saying that correctly who is right. a firefighter and he goes through a wild season one arc. And we got, I'm so interested to see where his character goes, but the guy who plays him is a gentleman by the name of Eric Valdez, who's been on a bunch of things. And we'll talk about his career throughout the show as well, but he is kind enough of, to join us here on the podcast as well. Eric, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to the podcast and congrats on season one, man. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you for that intro. That was uh, that, that was pretty incredible there. So yeah, no, it I'm, goes uh, downhill from here. here. Just so you know, this is... <laughs> set the bar high and then just coast. That's right. that's, that's, that's how right. it should go. Right. <laughs> well, no, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. Thank you. This is uh, the third Superman and Lois centric podcast we've done. We've had Tyler Hecklin on. We've had Alex Garfin, who plays Jordan. 
And what you have to remember is there's a guy named Jordan who plays Jonathan, but mm-hmm. a guy named Alex that plays Jordan. Try to remember that. That's that. that there's that's a post-it. There's a, a post-it note in the makeup trailer that literally says uh, <laughs> Jordan plays Jonathan. John uh, Alex plays Jordan. <laughs> Just so that everybody can. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. A little refresher every time <laughs> you, have you to remember, watch the makeup you remember. trailer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, first of all, you know, you're heading into season two. We're not going to give anything away. Uh, season two looks great. Uh, the early, in the early going, but the, the, the season one was, it kind of took a lot of, caught a lot of people off guard. Um, I think that when Superman and Lois was announced, it was on the heels of that crisis on infinite earths. All of a sudden Superman found out he had these twin sons and everybody was like, are they going to do Smallville again? Are they going to do Lois and Clark again? And it was important for this show to establish its own identity. How do you think it went about doing that? I think, I mean, I think we just kind of started with as clean a slate as one can when you're when you're diving into, you know, a, a property like this. If something as legendary as Superman and, and Lois Lane, those characters are so iconic. You're going to you're going to, to have some history to 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 stand by and to to write from. But in order to stand apart from what's come before you, you kind of have to start with a clean slate. And I think, you know, Todd and everybody involved from the get-go, uh, Lee, our, our director for the pilot last season, they just had this vision. And, and it was something, in my opinion, so drastically different from any other superhero show out there, not just any Superman-related show that's come before, that it was either going to work really well or it was going to fail. And I am happy to say that I think we uh I think we worked really well with with what we have here it's uh it's a fun show to be a part of well and let's dive into your character because it doesn't come from a comic book you know it's not a right. person that you know has these this lineage that you know that 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 sometimes <clears throat> drags a character down because you know there's certain things you know about Clark Kent anybody who hasn't seen an episode knows who Clark Kent is and they know what kind of person he is your character is very very different and you're at least from my perspective and tell me if i'm wrong you don't know if you're supposed to like him or not and in the beginning on in in the beginning he 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 really could be a bit of a jerk i mean he 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 he, 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 he could be um what about the idea of you know having an arc where you start there and then really redeem yourself towards the end. Oh, I love, I love it. I mean, to me, there's, there's not, there's not many more interesting ways to play a character than to start from an area where the audience doesn't really like you. And, you know, well, and you in, wonder in why way, Lana likes you. Right. And we, that's exactly right. It goes deeper than that. You wonder if, if the audience is looking at it, like, what, what is the deal with this character? And then they see the relationship between characters like, what does Lana Ling see in this guy? And there's this, this interesting thing where, you know, you can, and this, this is attributed to, to the writers as well. Like if you stay in that area too long, the character just becomes unlikable and it's hard to redeem yourself. But when you stay in there long enough to set this precedence and then, you know, the collaborative effort of writer and, and myself and Todd and everybody comes together and forms this this storyline that was evolving. I mean, it changed from the original pitch of, of what we thought we were going to do with it from episode one and two and beyond. It, it evolved over time. And I think that that's the beauty of something like television and film, especially television. We have the, you know, we're not 
like have a deadline to get you know a 90 minute film done and then that's it like we can kind of evolve and tell a story over over in this case 15 episodes per season and so it allows us to make changes on the fly and everything and I think starting from where we did with Kyle was was great because you can kind of only go up from there and then there's the pitfalls and the you know the kind of the ups and the downs and and to me that emulates real life I mean we're all human beings and and we all have some really, you know, not so great qualities about us, even if we're good human beings. And we all have some really great things about us. And I, I love that about this character is he's he's very real. And what I thought they played uh, is they made him out to be. I don't want to say he was a jerk because it wasn't that I think he was kind they, of a jerk. No, no, no. But what <laughs> they tried to do was make him very small town Americana. That he yeah. was the, you know, this is for the good of the town. And it's a very, very, you know, it, it's trying to speak to middle America. And, you know, a lot of these superhero shows take place in these big cities. And it's yeah. a very different perspective. And I think that you represent what the Smallville resident is in this show. You, do you subscribe to that? I do. I, and, and that's a compliment to me. I mean, I, I was born in Texas myself. I grew up in you know various parts of Texas, but I was born in Lubbock, Texas, uh, which is not a big town in and of itself. My grandparents had a farm about 20, 30 miles outside of Lubbock in a place called County Line. And County Line makes Smallville look big. It's, wow. it's really small town America, right? And so even though, you know, there's, Eric doesn't really subscribe to a lot of the same philosophies and mindsets that Kyle may, um, mm -hmm. I know this guy, I know, I know these people and you I know up with that the good guy. and the you, bad you, you and I grew up, up that around guy. that. Yeah. And so to me, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's fun, but it's also an honor to get to, to kind of go back to my roots and, and bring that stuff to, to this character. But do you get the sense that this show really does, does want to make sure it acknowledges that it's very aware of the diversity and the dichotomy in amongst this country that that it's very aware of what small town America is versus the big city life and you know without being political almost be political I, I, I do and I think I think we you know this is one of the things that I again having the conversations with Todd and the writers and everything and, and having such an open dialogue with everybody is we all can contribute ideas and stuff and one of the things that I was wanted to make sure of and it wasn't anything in the writing from the get-go just you know I wanted to make sure that we didn't go too cliche too stereotypical too Good. polarizing yeah. one way or the other because a lot of these you know the, the small town middle America mindset they're not bad people they're just no. they, they may think differently but they think to their reality if you've never left small town America you know it you you exist in this this world that is different to, to anybody else and I think part of the problem, you know, not getting super political, but I think part of the problem is nowadays with with everything being out there on the Internet and, and everybody being able to comment, everything is a knee jerk reaction. You know, people don't have to sit on what their opinions are, their thoughts or how it's going to affect people to think differently than them long enough. They they just react. And I think what we are able to do with Kyle and with Smallville is is really showcase some of these the the, the issues in small town and some of the concerns that, that folks are facing in real life. And without it being a finger pointing like, oh, well, our side is, you know, we think this way and, and that's why and that's all it is. No, there's there's a little give and take here and there. And, and I think that's part of Kyle's evolution, too, is. He's a very stubborn guy, but you know you see throughout his arc that he he learns to admit 
his own mistakes and face his own demons. And I think that is what a concept. That is something that we all what can a concept. learn from. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's no secret about that. Um, you know, we're not doing this like episode by episode chronologically. Uh, you get possessed by we, we can do spoilers for season one. We're not doing any spoilers for season two. Season one's been out a while. I believe that's season one is fair game as far as I season know. Season one's fair game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you get possessed by a Kryptonian. So you get the, the powers for a little bit and you get to do the special effects and all the, the, the little things. Um, what, 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 what the hell was that like? It was awesome. I got to play a completely different character for, you know, an episode and a half there, thereabouts. And, and, you know, I like these, I've always been drawn to like these kind of psychotic twisted characters. And, and there was a, definitely a bit of that involved. And, uh, it also allowed me to, you know, to do some stunt work, not anything. I wasn't doing anything drastic, but, you know, I got to get rigged on, on cables and, did you, you know, do a, did you get, fly? Did you do a little uh, wire work? I did a little wire work. There's, there's a scene in, I think it's episode 10, maybe 11. I can't remember. I think it's 10 um, where Superman comes through right at the moment that, you know, some, some ish is going down and just <laughs> pummels Kyle through the, the backside yes, of a bar. I remember that. Yep. In the episode, it's a blink and you miss it moment because it's Superman and he's flying at the speed of sound. But on the day, you know, it was literally me rigged up to this this thing awesome. and kind of a countdown and, and getting like jerked back, uh, you know, probably six, eight feet off the ground and 30 feet back. And again, it, it's it's not anything life threatening, but it's it's almost like being on a roller coaster and, and getting to do it over and over again. Dude, it's, and I, but it's, I it's something do... kids dream yeah. of you. When you when you think about getting into performing, especially if you're growing up in now yep. nowadays with all these superhero shows and Marvel movies and all these things, all this stuff, you want to be uh, you know doing some kind of effects thing. I would just think yeah. that's a, what a great way to spend a day. <laughs> it's awesome, and I will I'll do anything that they'll let me do. There's a couple actually I don't, I don't think they've said no to anything. They've just been very cautious of like I think in the finale last year, uh, last season, you know, there was uh, me carrying somebody out of a, a you know, burning building yeah, fire. Yeah, it was yeah, real yeah. fire. That was a great and, moment. And it was a great moment. And, you know, they wanted to assess my comfortability with how close you can get to the fire. Obviously the closer I get, the better it looks visually, but you know, they don't, they don't want to harm me. And I, they had to reel me in a little bit. I was like, I, I can keep going a little closer. And Rob, our, our stunt coordinator was like, yeah, I, th I think you're good right there. It looks great. You don't need to go any closer. I'm like, all right, cool. So no, I'm down to, I'm down to do all that stuff. I love, I'm very physical. I played a lot of sports growing up. I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I, I love doing all that stuff. That's incredible. And it's gotta be a lot of fun. It's also gotta be a lot of fun. You get a lot of scenes with your on-screen wife, Miss Lana Lang played by the great Emmanuel Shrieky. Uh, who uh, people who listen to this podcast probably remember her from Entourage and she mm -hmm. is playing a different Lana and it's not Kristen Crook. It's not from the Super Bowl series. It's not Annette O'Toole. It's a totally different Lana Lang. And it's pretty cool, A, to see the dynamic between her and Clark, but it's also kind of neat just to, to see her playing Lana Lang. What's that been like? I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a better person to to share the the yeah. screen with. She's you awful, know, right? She's, she's just, just a pain in the ass constantly. She's yeah, it's 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 really really difficult. It's I, <laughs> I mean, she, I, there's no like negative. She's one of those people that like you you could dig really deep and you can't really find yeah. any negatives about her. She's just a genuinely 
like sweet human being and such a talent and just so, you know, so open and giving. And, and I think, you know, our, our relationship off screen is just great. She gets along great with my wife. She loves my son. So all that kind of translates into the on-screen chemistry that you see. And, and I mean, I'm biased, but I, I think we, uh, I think we, we, we kind of nail it with that. You know, the, the whole Kyle and Lana dynamic is, uh, it's a fun one to play with and going back and watching it. I think it comes across really genuine and, and a lot of the feedback we've gotten has, has said that. So that's, that's kudos to her and, and uh, you know, and, and being a great scene partner. That's uh, very cool to hear. And it's just, it's an interesting character because if you imagine, you know, a lot of people wonder because they went back to Smallville, it's going to get direct comparisons to Smallville. And sure. it's not necessarily for your character because your character didn't exist, but there, you know, if you're going to have Alana Lang, people are going to say, well, it's Lana Lang in Smallville. You know, what about that other Lana Lang? And a lot of people will compare it. And, and plus there's all the years of, of, of history, you know, in the comic books, you know, mm -hmm. with that character. So it's a, it's a real unique uh, dynamic, but everybody has kids now. Yeah. And that's weird. And the, 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 the young lady that you have as your daughter, um, she plays a vital role in this whole thing. And she's remarkable as well. Oh, we were, so I watched the, uh, the, the season two premiere, uh, yesterday, day before something like that. And I, again, I've watched the whole first season and I literally, there's, there's not an episode where I don't turn to my wife and I'm just like, our cast is incredible. Like everybody on the show, there's, there's not a weak link and it's just amazing to watch. And Indy is, she's, she's one of those. Indy Navarrete. We're going right? to look That's back. That's how you say her name? Never, uh, Navarrete. Yeah. Never, never ready. Um, she's one of those that. I think in 10 years, 15 years, we're going to look back and she's going to be a megastar. And I'm going to be one of those guys, the older guy that's like, yep, yeah, I knew it. I played her dad back then. She's awesome. <laughs> I, she just, she really is. She's a, she's a star, man. She's awesome. That's so cool. And, and, and then, you know, she, you know, in season one uh, gets involved with Jordan, who's played by mm -hmm. Alex. And Jordan has this whole arc where he may have, you know, he has powers and, you're not sure what the story is. And then, you know, there's this whole aspect of what about Jonathan? He doesn't seem to have anything, but there's no way they're just going to leave that lie. And it just seems like every character on this show is going to have this arc. And, you know, you had this, this, this one part where you're possessed by this villain and people blame Kyle for it. They blame your character and, you know, you're getting graffiti on your walls and you know, all kinds of things. You're going to leave town. And it's just it, it, it takes you in twists and turns. And I mean, I don't have to kiss your ass. You're already on the podcast. It just it just takes you in a lot of different directions where you're not sure where it's going. And that's different. You know, one of the criticisms of the CW shows, especially recently, has been you kind of know where they're going, you know, where Barry Allen's going, you know, where Cara Danvers is going. Superman and Lois, from the minute it started, you didn't know where it was going. And that's really hard in this social media day where everything leaks. It's really hard to keep people guessing. And this show does that. It, it, it does. And it's it's the art of the misdirect. Right. I mean, it's it's if you and our team of writers is really good at that. And, you know, again, going back to, to being a superhero show with, you know, Superman being one of the most recognizable people, characters worldwide for so many years, I guess he's 80 something years old is, is how old the character is. You know, there's a lot of a lot of moments where a super fan is going to be like, ah, 
I know exactly where this is going, blah, blah, blah. And you've got to toe that line because you do have to, you know, throw in the little Easter eggs here and there and, and appease the, the, you know, the super fans and stuff. But there's been several of those moments where even friends of mine that are big comic book fans are like, yo, I, I, I could have sworn that we were going to meet this character, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's, there's a change. There's a misdirect. And I think what helps with that is, is it at its core being a family drama, right? It's a family drama in a superhero world. And so you have that kind of extra bag of tools to dig into when, when you're, when you're trying to tell the, you know, the superhero story, you can kind of boom, cut to a different scene. And now we're back at the Cushing house and we're, we're, talking about real life family drama. And then we go back to Clark and Lois and talking about raising teenage boys and then boom, okay, we're back to the superhero stuff. So it balances all of that really well. And I think that that really, that was a great choice from the get-go to, to make that the core of the show is, is, is it being a family drama in a superhero world. That's really, really well said. The one thing I think that a lot of people are wondering about, I think just from the, you know, when I was doing my research for the, for the podcast, you know, you, you looked at some of the, you know, the stuff on social media and the comments and all that other nonsense, you know, the vocal minority over there. Um, and that is the the idea of this being a crossover with the other shows in that universe. You know, John Diggle made an appearance in season one. And so now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. So is this the same world that has Green Arrow and The Flash and all these other people? And, you know, one of the big things is Tyler made his first appearance as Superman on the Supergirl show. And I understand that Lois's sister, Lucy, that's been reported. That's not, I'm not breaking any news here, uh, is going to be uh, on season two, that, that it's going to further connect those, those worlds. And I think that what that does is it brings a lot of pedigree. It brings a lot of gravitas to this, this show because you know, because of COVID, I think they couldn't really do anything in season one. And you guys were kind of isolated amongst yourself and just you kind of wonder, you know, going forward, whether or not this cast can exist in a bigger, quote unquote, superhero universe. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting. We I think purposely, you know, not for not not for better or worse, but I think we're we're I don't want to say we separate ourselves from the Arrowverse, so to speak, but it is kind of a, it's, it's such you a, you called it that. I didn't everything. call it that. That's, that's what a lot of, I mean, that's <laughs> what sure. a lot of the fans say out there and everything. And, and, <laughs> and I think what you were alluding to, yeah. and it's, it's just, it's, we have that unique ability with, with the show and, and how it's done, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to, you know, touch on some of those elements and bring in some of those characters and sprinkle them in here and there without necessarily having to to go the traditional crossover route or, or whatever. And I don't know what the future holds. I, you know, and I'm being honest there. I don't know sure, sure. whether there will be crossovers, et cetera. But it, the beauty is we, we can do that and then we can kind of go back to doing our own thing and, and move in and out of that if that's where the creators decide to go with it. And, and uh, I, I think that just opens up, you know, a whole lot of other things creatively. It opens up the opportunity to bring in, you know, characters from the past, uh, actors that portray these characters from the past. I mean, we have some really solid guest stars in general yeah, yeah. this season, awesome. and it's uh, it's 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 really cool, man. And I think that that too, when you when you've created something that is um, that is is well regarded, not just by the fans, but also by other actors and other creatives in our industry, 
it opens the door for you know directors and actors and stuff to come in and play with us that that may have not necessarily been looking in the superhero world. Now all of a sudden, you know, this is out there on the map and, and, and other creatives are like, hey, you know what, this is really good. I want to be a part of it. And I think that's where we're headed and that'll only make the show better. That's really well said, man. I, it's, it's really something to behold. Um, you know, just the, 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 the immediate reaction of fans. You know, mm-hmm. the, mo- most of the reaction has been positive, at least what, I, what I've seen. And, um, you know, it just I you can tell when we've talked about this on this podcast a bunch. You can tell when the creators love the source material. Uh, yeah. You can tell that John Favreau loves freaking Star Wars. Like you could tell, mm-hmm. you know, you watch yeah. it, you, you know. Um, and then you can tell in, in other cases, and I don't want to start naming names, but there's other shows that, that, that shows and, 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 uh, movies that come out and you could tell these guys cashed a paycheck, like that there's not the reverence for the source material. And I don't know, Todd Helbing, uh, we're supposed to have him on next week and we're looking forward to that, but you can just sense that there's a, a, a real affinity for the source material, whether it's yeah. Smallville or the cartoons or the Superman, Christopher Reeve movies, or the Henry Cavill movies, whatever, whatever it was, there's a great affinity for the source material, and you guys all share that. Yeah, and and you know that that trickles down from Todd all the way into the writers' room, and and some of our writers who I'm, I'm sure at some point you'll be introduced to, get to meet, etc. You know, you've got there's I don't want to say they compartmentalized because they all work so well together, but you've got you know two or three of them over here that can literally quote stuff out of comic books from 30 years ago. Like they're that devoted and know that space so well that they can chime in on those elements of the show. And then you've got other writers that come from, you know, episodic drama and some from film and, you know, all these, these different, different talents that kind of get in this room together and nobody's got an ego. So it just allows them to each chime in and, and somebody, you know, over here is going to be like, you know what? I don't really know much about character X that we're talking about in the, in the superhero world. So you guys take that. I'm going to work on this. They do it, they bring it together and then it, it just creates this magic. And so I think that's, you know, Todd has assembled a really solid team, you know, from across the board, even down to the, our crew up here, we've got, and, and that really matters too. Like you got so many people that work behind the scenes that, you know, are a name on a screen at the end of an episode, right? That nobody ever gets to really meet or thank for what they're watching. But we've got so many members of our crew that are just ridiculously passionate about the show and have fallen in love with it after what we've done season one. And, and to see them excited to come to work and most of the time have to work, you know, 14 to 16 hour days and still really love it. That's a true testament to, to, to what we're doing here is, you know, we're, we're not, it's not rocket science, but we're creating something really, really cool and, and really fun. And everybody actually loves doing it, you know? Yeah, we, I remember when we had Tyler on, we talked about the old costume when they did the flashback scenes and he had that old yeah. costume that looked like the Fleischer cartoons. And you're just like, yep. you know, what 20 something knows what the Fleischer cartoons is, but but there's somebody in their 40s, 50s and 60s that's watching this show and going, holy crap, they, they remember what I grew up to. They remember yeah. that stuff. And I, I, I think there's a great uh, love affair uh, w- with that. Um, what was the audition process like 
you know, you're bouncing around, you're doing guest spots on all these different shows and you're trying to get, you know, exactly what you got, which was this regular role on a hit TV show. Um, what was that process like? And when you found out it was Superman, what was your reaction? I mean, it was. Or did uh, you not know all, that? Did you not know until you'd already auditioned? Because sometimes they I, don't I, tell those things. I did know. I so they let me know because I was I was actually at the time I was working on another project. Uh, I was in Toronto um, working on a, a video game, Far Cry Six. So we shot that over. Well, I did for over the quarter over the course of a year. I mean, it took them like five years to make the game. Video games are insane. All the stuff that goes into it. But um, I was in Toronto, and so we we got wind of this audition. And I can't remember if I went in on tape the first time. No, actually, I was I, I was back in L.A. So I went in, met with David and them. Um, and then I went I had to go back to Toronto. I get a call saying, hey, you know, they really like you. Um, That's awesome. They need you to come in and test and uh, they need you here tomorrow. And so I literally like flew back from Toronto to L.A., got up the next day for like a, what they call a working session and with David and them just to, you know, I, I guess now looking back, I was one of their favorites casting wise. And so they wanted to make sure that, you know, I was up to speed on as much as I could so that I go into the room with, you know, all the, the execs at Warner Brothers and, and every and CW and, and do what I can do. And so it was, uh, I did that. That was uh, on a Friday, if I remember correctly. And Todd was there, Peter Roth at the time was there. It was just, it was me and a couple other guys that they were considering. And and uh, I went in and did what I did. And Todd kind of pulled me to the side and said, Hey man, like, uh, I, I can't officially say anything yet, but you know, let's go down the hall real quick. I want to send something to the CW because I don't want to have, I don't want you to have to go over there and come back again. We did that. And, uh, I got a call a couple hours later and it was, it was mine. And so it was, uh, it was a really cool process, man. It's, um, and, and, and the thing I like about it too, was just getting to uh, going back to this character is, you know, getting to be part of such an iconic property but getting kind of the from an acting standpoint as an actor getting the freedom of playing something that that nobody else has just right. this this character from scratch and so yeah it's it's been a fun ride man what they're going to wind up doing in the comic books and you know i comic books are in a weird spot right now because you know who's reading them i mean, I mean we say that all the time if you're a fan if you watch superman and lois you watch uh, all the disney plus shows all the hbo max shows and you see all these movies. Are you not a comic book fan? When did I mention reading comic books? Yeah, it's it's a very weird time for for comic books. But I think the greatest homage will be if Kyle shows up in a comic book that they bring. If that up. ever happens, that yeah. I mean, I, that would be amazing. Uh, yeah. That's that's like another life life goal box tick. If, if it oh, happens. they totally. So. I mean, I, I, well, I mean, there's all this talk about this, you know, Clark's son, Jonathan, and all the news about him and all the speculation and i mean i'm not putting you on the spot that's all speculation uh and where that all all goes but you know a lot of that comes from i mean chloe sullivan was in the comic book like that that happens you know that yeah that's where those things happen so it it all you know comes to fruition and they're all cyclical and let's face it if they have to do an issue every week or every month whatever it is they need stories you're providing them stories true. You know, to, to, to bring in and there'll be all of a sudden there'll be this whole comic book backstory for Kyle Cushing and, and it'll be this, this, this whole thing. Um, what do you see as the end game for this show? What, what do you see as, I mean, 
could this be like a 10 year run? Is this, is this the kind of thing where have you heard that the, you know, they have an arc and they, they have, you know, a four season plan, a six season plan. What, what do you know of the future or is this literally just take one day at a time and just kind of face it as it comes? No, I think there's always a plan and there's always, there's always an arc and there's always, uh, there's always hope. Right. And in, in television, especially we, you know, I don't want to say it lives and dies by ratings because it's so much more than that nowadays, especially with streaming platforms and, and all the other, you know, glo- this is such a global property. I mean, we just debuted or, or premiered in, in the UK a, a month or so ago. Um, so it's literally, we're starting from scratch in a whole nother world right now, a whole nother country. And it, and it does that in different countries across the world. So I think, I think the show has the potential to go on for literally as long as as long as we can still do it justice. I don't think any of us creatively want to drag it on for 10 seasons if we don't think we can tell good stories. Good. Um, and I think that's that's kind of the driving force, right? Like everybody wants to do but this. But they haven't for a long told time. you, look, you know, there's going to be 64 new Superman movies or anything like that. They haven't said no. this is your window, you know, do what do with it what what you can please. So that's cool. No, to, I don't think know. so. Yeah, I, I think I think that approach would just because then it, it kind of pigeonholes you, in my opinion, yeah. and creatives, myself included, don't I don't think we we really like to to work in, in you know, under those constraints. We like to have the we I mean, we live for hope and everything. And my entire career has been, a, OK, I'm going to keep doing this, even though I've been told no 100 times and right. I'm going to keep doing this because I believe in it. And so I think that's that's the driving force here is we all. We all know the potential of the show. We all want to contribute to it for a long time. There's no definitive timeline right now. And I think that's a right. good thing. Sounds, sounds great. Okay. The way we usually end this podcast and I asked this question and considering we said that, you know, your character goes there uh, as far as the, uh, the, the toxic nature of society, how do you feel about social media and how is it either enhanced or hindered your work, your character, the show, et cetera? Uh, I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, I mm-hmm. think social media is is a, a fantastic tool, um, an integral part of what we do. Anybody, yourself included, you know, if, if you've got a, a podcast, if you've got a show, if you're doing anything, you know, creative like that, it, it's 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 a part of part of it, whether you like it or not. So it can be a great tool. For me, it means different things for for different people. For me. I, I, I'm, I'm an inherently positive person. So I like to look at, you know, for me, it's the ability to connect with the fans. Um, there's a lot of people out there that watch the show that, that I won't ever get to meet in person. And, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. I, I, at, at the end of the day, everybody that watches the show, I, I have to thank for providing the life that I get to live, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in a, in a small way, if, if, you know, somebody comments on something on Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever, and I get to interact with them, um, it's, it's, it's really cool for me to be able to kind of connect that way. And, and a lot of the times, you know, the fans, I get the response all the time, like, oh, I didn't think you'd answer me or whatever. And I, I really try to do the best that I can to, to, to interact with as many folks as possible. Because for me, you know, I, I get to do something that I love for a living. A, that's not a lot of people, not a lot of people get to, to say that. B, I constantly have people, for better or worse, critiquing what we get to do. You know, you've, like you said earlier, overwhelmingly the support for the show is is positive, and that's great. You're always going to have people that you, for whatever reason, don't connect with. They don't they don't like what you're doing, etc. I'm okay with that. I, I I don't want everybody to think the, the same way I do or, or love everything that I do or that I'm a part of. 
but I think that, you know, just getting to, to have these, these, these conversations and everything are, are really an important part of, of marketing the show for, you know, for those purposes, but also just interacting with, with the fans and, and going back to what I was saying, like, I get people that, that come on and, you know, say, Oh, you know what? I was going through this. I sat down and binged the show, you know, and I, I just got to escape from reality for X number of hours. Thank you. Or, you know, people that have related to some of the stuff that Kyle's gone through and everything. And, and at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm super appreciative of that. But, you know, how many people out there in the world, teachers, doctors, you know, first responders, et cetera, I get to play a firefighter on TV. And there's guys out there that do this day in and day out, really. Like, there's, there's not a stunt guy doing something for you or there's not, you know, 20 people around making sure the fire is not too close to you when you're doing a scene. <laughs> And there's all these people out there that do some amazing stuff that never, they don't, they don't get the, the interaction like this. They don't get people following them on a social media platform and, and praising what they do. So I don't take that for granted. You know, I, I, I try to, to do the best that I can to interact with people. So that's the, the positive side of it to, to me. And, and yes, there's some negatives to social media and it allows people to sit behind a keyboard and, and not not worry about the repercussions of uh, their words um, to whoever it is on the other side of the internet. But again, I like to focus on the positive. Well, you're a very positive person, and it's a thrill uh, to have you on. And it makes it's going to make me root for Kyle in season two. I think I Thank think you. everybody's going to look at Kyle differently in season two. And what I'm going to be able to say, and I'll I'll tweet the bejesus out of this. I'll just say, hey, at least I know the actor's a good dude. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, Seth. Thanks, man. Uh, how can people find you online? Uh, speaking of social media, it's, that's, it's that's kind of where Eric. we go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Valdez. So E-R-I-K-V-A-L-D-E-Z. That's uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. I don't do a lot anywhere else. I, I think I'm too old for TikTok. Maybe I should do something with that, but I don't yeah. know. It's uh, yeah. Instagram and Twitter are the two. TikTok's that an interesting place. I'm not, I'm not sold on that. I, I, I don't know if there's a place for this. Podcast. I don't think we're the target demographic. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they're targeting us. Uh, no question. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if there's anything that you heard during the, today's episode uh, that you have an issue with or something that you want to uh, comment on, do me a favor, reach out to Eric directly and leave me the hell out. <laughs> Eric, it's a pleasure having you on. Good luck with season two, man, and uh, continued success. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's Eric Valdez. This is the show is Superman and Lois, and it premieres season two premieres on Tuesday, January 11th on the CW, and then it's on all the streaming things afterwards, the CW site and the Hulu and all these other ones. Uh, that's how I see them. Uh, season two premieres January 11th. 2022 and if you're listening to this in the future well then you've seen it already and just tell us how it is. uh thanks for listening thanks for downloading and subscribing and we will see you next week with todd helbing as we continue to talk about superman and lois right here on the hall of justice